Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Italian Wine Podcast is delighted to present a series of highlights from the 2022 Wine to Wine Business Forum, focusing on wine communication and bringing together the most influential speakers in the sectors to discuss the hottest topics facing the wine industry today. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central European Time or visit winetowine.net for more information. Good evening to everyone. Uh, Miriam Masciarelli from Masciarelli Winery. I'm going to introduce you Constantin uh, Baum, the, the, the youngest master of wine of Germany. Um, he's importer of a small artisanal winery from Europe, also California. Uh, educator, journalist, contributor. He, have a, he has an agency of communication also. And uh, especially, is uh, one of the great um, the greatest um, storyteller, communicator in the wine industry, uh, especially on uh, the YouTube world that, that we are speaking before that YouTube in confront uh, of uh, the other social media is more more entertainment and less socializing. So it's uh, um, it's quite difficult, no? And it's a, but it's a, it's a target for the people they want to listen to you. Um, so you are going to show us uh, um, some numbers and uh, some data and uh, the world of YouTube. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm very happy to be here. Flew in yesterday evening, and well. When you're in Italy, you feel at home right away. I do at least. I'm hoping that this is going to work. We had a few technical issues. Wine on keyboards don't uh, don't do good things usually. So 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 we'll see. But but I hope uh, this is going to work. I just uh, briefly want to say about this session. So so I, I want to share my own YouTube journey with you guys so that you can kind of see what I did. To be honest. I haven't quite figured out why why my YouTube channel kind of works. So so I won't be able to give you the whole recipe, but I can at least share with you um, a little bit of information on YouTube and on the way I did it. Um, the other thing I want to mention right before we start, um, I'm not an influencer. I do quite a lot of different things, as Miriam said early on. Um, I see myself when it comes to YouTube as a content creator. So I don't want to influence anyone. That's not my primary uh, role uh, on the platform. It's more about creating content that is engaging and educational and entertaining for my audience. So I want to make sure that people get interested in wine rather than kind of uh, creepily try to influence them to do anything that they don't want to do. So to begin uh, with, just a few, few, few things on YouTube in general, the platform. So YouTube was founded in 2005, not so long ago. So uh, I was in love with the platform pretty much straight away. I really liked it. Um, I really liked the format of being able to pick and select different pieces of content and watch them and consume them. YouTube was then sold quite quickly for 1.65 billion US dollars to Google, today known as Alphabet. 
Um, and people were kind of going like, well, this is, this is crazy. This is a crazy number for a company that is barely one year old. But today or last year, YouTube generated almost 30 billion US dollars in income. So the business has done quite well. And I think it was, it was a good investment by Google to get into, into, uh, into YouTube, to jump into YouTube. What is also maybe relevant to this audience is that wine uh, and video content kind of worked pretty early on. So most of you probably know Gary Vaynerchuk, um, and he was kind of the, the pioneer in this uh, segment. He wasn't really on YouTube in the beginning, at least. He was uh, more focused on his own website and creating video content there. But I was pretty hooked uh, on Gary's stuff, even though I didn't always agree with him, and sometimes we had... Uh, conversations going back and forth, me kind of arguing that he said something that isn't right in one of his videos and he kind of going back to me, telling me I'm a cherry picker. But but I really like that. And that, that kind of uh, lit the spark for me, even though I never really wanted to follow exactly his path. But I, I was kind of interested in doing something Uh, a video uh, video content format on on a platform on the internet. I really like that. But um, just a few numbers to begin with. So YouTube has over 2 billion monthly locked-in users. That's a quarter of the population of this planet. Uh, quite a lot of people use YouTube, so so that's that's quite uh, quite special. And the other number that is quite interesting is that. Uh, every day people watch over a billion hours of video on YouTube. So people watch YouTube while they work, while they brush their teeth, while they uh, kind of bring their kids to, work, uh, to bed with their earpod in their ear. Or that's, that's at least what I sometimes do, unfortunately. So, so yeah, it, it, it's quite an influential, influential platform. 500 plus hours of content are uploaded to YouTube every single minute of the day and that's kind of crazy i mean for youtube this means they have to have a massive infrastructure in order to process so much data for um, you guys as consumers mainly i guess um, that's kind of great because you have a lot of information on that platform but the problem is to find the really good stuff i mean out of those 500 hours of content i assume that 499 uh, hours are probably not something that i would want to watch so, so obviously that kind of depends on your own preferences, but there's a lot of it. So it's kind of difficult to find the good stuff sometimes. For me as a creator, that's obviously a big challenge because you know that you have to compete with quite a lot of information on the platform. If you think about it, when you go to youtube.com today, you kind of see eight tiles to begin with. Eight videos that that you kind of see in the beginning you can scroll down but you won't scroll down for hours and hours so so there's very limited real estate on that platform and the algorithm of youtube kind of curates the information that you see which is a good thing but it takes some time for it to understand what your audience wants to watch what my audience wants to watch so really only the bigger channels that uh, have uploaded content for a longer time actually benefit from being being uh, kind of uh, pushed by YouTube. So this guy, um, first of all, who of you here knows who that is? Just just to kind of gauge the uh, the audience here. So not too many, I'd say, maybe maybe less than a quarter. So so this is Mr. Beast, uh, Johnny, who's uh, Jimmy, who's actually one of the biggest YouTubers uh, in the world right now. 
His channel is one of the few that has over 100 million subscribers. So the people who have decided that they want to subscribe to his content. Um, he has generated, that number is close to 18 billion views. So 18 billion times someone has clicked on one of his videos. And he made, estimated by Forbes at least, 54 million US dollars last year. So between his YouTube income generated by the views, so every time you watch a YouTube video, you see ads usually. And as a, as a, as a creator, you get a share of the ad revenue that YouTube generates with those videos. Most of his money is probably from paid engagements. So uh, he, he basically does a 60 second or 90 second ad read and makes tens of thousands of uh, US dollars for those 60 seconds. So you can really, in, in some cases, it's even even a million for larger, corporation, uh, larger corporations and la larger collaborations. So um, yeah, he's quite successful with that. And the interesting thing with Jimmy is he is 24 now, started when he was 14, so 10 years ago roughly. And in the beginning, his videos were really bad. No one watched them. And he really hustled and kind of built his audience over time. So it was not like an overnight success. And that story obviously also resonates with people. This builds a pretty close relationship between the content creator, in this case, Mr. Beast, and his audience. So um, that, that, is, uh, that is one of the very strong things when it comes to YouTube, building those relationships. When it comes to wine YouTube, the numbers look a little bit different. So you can see the three biggest channels, channels in the world right now, uh, according to subscribers on YouTube. Interestingly, two of them are actually from South Korea. So uh, content creators that are based in South Korea. South Korea consumes a lot of YouTube content and uh, that might be the reason for it. So. Um, I'm actually in, in the third spot uh, right now, so uh, if you guys have a, have a second, get out your phone, subscribe to my channel in order to kind of finally get rid of Young Gang Wine TV and move past him, so, so uh, that would be greatly appreciated. So as you can see, numbers are quite a bit smaller when it comes to wine YouTube, and the question arises if wine content has been like available for a long time, Gary Vaynerchuk and so on and so forth, and uh, if, 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 um, if, if this, this content exists for a long time, why aren't more channels breaking through? Why, why is there not, not more, um, yeah, more to garner for a wine, wine YouTube channel? And the question might be, is the niche of wine too small? And I actually disagree with that. I think it's going to happen in the future. I think as people who are using YouTube are getting older, there will also be bigger interest in YouTube on the platform. Um, I think Wine Spectator at least claims that they, their content is read by more than 3 million people worldwide. So if, if there are 3 million people who are actually even prepared to pay for wine content, I'm pretty sure that there are 1 million people who will be prepared to subscribe to a free YouTube channel. So I think it's going to happen. The other, the other thing is also, uh, there's for example this coffee YouTuber called James Hoffman. He was a barista and then started his own YouTube channel. He now has 1.5 million subscribers and he makes videos that kind of where he compares different coffee machines to each other for 30 minutes going into really deep detail. Um, 
And and I think if that's possible for coffee, then that should be possible for wine at some stage. Whether I'll, I'm going to be the one who will break the one million uh, subscriber mark or someone else, I can't tell. Uh, I know what I'm hoping for, but 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 I yeah we we'll see. But I think that the niche is certainly big enough for a really big YouTube wine channel, at least one, if not if not more than one. So why? Why am I interested in YouTube? Why should you maybe consider YouTube? Why should should anyone uh, think about creating on YouTube? First of all, like I said, there's a huge audience, but that's only one part of the story. The other part is that um, this huge audience can also be monetized quite well. When you look at TikTok and uh, Instagram, there's actually no real infrastructure for the content creators to be paid. Um, TikTok pays out a little bit of money. Instagram does that as well. But it's not really regulated and it's more for the really big guys. With YouTube, as soon as you have more than 1,000 subscribers and have uh, generated, I think, more than 40,000 minutes of watch time, you can uh, switch on monetization and you get your share of the ad revenue that uh, a channel generates. So YouTube's, YouTube keeps the bulk, but you get close to 50%, uh, a little less than that, but so, so, so a fair share, I would say. Um, that is important because um, if you want to create something on the internet on a regular basis, you need to make some money from it. Otherwise, you won't, be, you won't sustain it. It will get too difficult to balance it with your normal job or with, with your other, uh, other things that you have to do. So monetization is key for the success uh, of YouTube. The other thing is storytelling. Miriam mentioned that earlier on. So, so um, you, you actually don't really get to tell a story on Instagram and TikTok. There will be Instagrammers and TikTok here, and I use Instagram quite a bit myself, uh, that will argue with that point. But I, I just don't think that, that you can, uh, can uh, build a story arc in a 60-second reel or on a photo post. On YouTube, some of my videos are 20 minutes long, so, so I actually get to uh, interact with my audience, tell them something. I have time to explain something in detail. I can, I can take, take them out into the vineyard and talk about uh, the vines and then go back into my studio and finish, finish it off there. So, so there, there are much more opportunities there. So there's real storytelling, and this really builds a relationship with your audience. You, you're, you're, uh, they, they think they know me better than they would if I would just dance on TikTok because nobody wants to see that anyways, but, 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 but you know what I mean? And, and I actually get to tell them, go, go into detail with them, talk about things uh, in, in a little bit more detail than just the bullet points. The other thing is you build a library on, on YouTube. You build um, a channel with content that will be watched in the future. On TikTok and Instagram, everything is for the moment. With Instagram, it's even in the name, and TikTok kind of as well. So the clock is ticking. As soon as you post, uh, the clock starts ticking, and at some point, the, the information will not really be shown anymore. With YouTube, some of my older videos, like videos that are months old or a year old, they um, are amongst my best performing videos uh, for the last 28 days. So people keep watching the, the stuff, you build a library that people get to access. YouTube is the second biggest um, search engine after Google. So, so you can actually search for things on YouTube and find videos that are a year old or two years old. And when it comes to wine, things don't change that much. The way I open a bottle 
if, if you want to show that to your audience, doesn't necessarily change. Uh, it, that will be relevant for the next year. You can still uh, watch the video, the first video on YouTube that is 17 years old today. So you, it's still available. Uh, it might not be that interesting, but, but it's still available. And with YouTube, you can actually benefit from that in the future. So how do you do it? Um, so I would argue the first thing you really have to do is to find your niche. When it comes to me, it's obviously wine, but you can go even in even more detail. So, so you don't just have to stick with wine. You can uh, go, uh, you, you, you can produce vlogs where, where you travel to wine growing regions and talk about the wine growing region and, and visit uh, winemakers, for example. You could make videos only about glasses and the way uh, the glasses look and the way the way they bring out certain characteristics in the wine. For me, it's tasting videos. So I do lots of different videos, but the, th the stuff that performs the best is when I taste wines, uh, when I explain wines to my audience. That's obviously kind of anyways, one of my, my strengths uh, to be able to taste well, have a good palate. And, and that's what my audience wants to see the most. The other thing is uh, find your voice. So you can either say, hello, my name is Konstantin Baum, or you can go, I'm a master of wine, baby. <laughs> well, that, that was super silly, but, but it's obviously not just about the way you talk. It's also about the way you communicate everything. So, so you can pace yourself, you can speak very slowly, you can speak very fast, but it's also about the way you present your information. You, you, uh, there are YouTubers who use GoPros, so very, very good, but uh, pretty, not, not great quality cameras that don't bring out everything you want to show maybe in a video. I use pretty high-end stuff, so I've, I've got lots of cameras, really good cameras. I, got, um, I, I want to have good sound, good lightning, lighting. That obviously also limits myself in the way, what, the things that I can do, because I can't carry that around everywhere and produce the same quality of content. But you need to decide what you want to do and how you want to show it. So that's what I mean with find your voice. Find your audience is another thing. So while you are producing content, you will find an audience. In the beginning, there's no one there. You are standing alone on a stage, the room is empty and you still have to talk. Um, that's kind of what, what I was scared about when I arrived here, just being here all by myself. But, but, uh, but over time, people will come and they might stick around if they like what you're saying. So, so um, that's, that's the way you build your audience. In the beginning, you really have to find people from other platforms, maybe. You're strong on Instagram, you, you get them over to YouTube and try to engage them there. Or you're good on TikTok, you get them to YouTube to, to um, uh, share more content with them on YouTube. Um, then YouTube will start understanding what kind of people watch your stuff, who wants to see your videos. And the algorithm then will uh, play, play or give your content to more people that are similar. So they will, the algorithm learns and that's why growth on YouTube is very often exponential. So in the beginning, it's very slow, but at some stage, once you are one of the bigger channels, it's actually easier to add um, subscribers at a much, much faster rate. In the beginning, I was happy to have one subscriber per day. Today, I'm happy when I have a few hundred subscribers per day or a thousand subscribers a day. So, so, so this is how, how things change over time. And the other thing is be patient. So you just have to wait sometimes. 
good things come to people who wait. And, and YouTube is difficult. It's di more difficult than kind of getting out your phone, uh, posting a selfie. And, and uh, I mean, that can be difficult as well. Don't get me wrong. But for YouTube, you have to understand camera equipment. You have to edit. You have to, you have to do much more stuff than, than you would have to do when posting photos on Instagram or TikTok or if you're making videos for those platforms. I do that as well. And I know that like producing a reel takes far less time than producing a 15-minute video for, for YouTube. It's just different. The other op option, obviously, and this is kind of the part where I uh, insert the shameless plug, <laughs> is to, to find the right creator to work with. I mean, if you want to be a creator yourself, that's kind of different. Uh, you can collabor collaborate with other creators. But uh, if you are an organization, a company, um, and you want to be successful on YouTube, it is quite, quite a good idea to find someone who has already got, uh, found their voice, found their audience, and work with them in order to promote your brand, your organization, your region, uh, whatever. So, so, so that's obviously much more cost efficient in many ways. You have to spend more on that one collaboration maybe than you would on a video. But you also, you also don't have to spend years and years uploading videos that no one wants to watch. And I see quite a lot of those videos, to be honest, on the YouTube channels of uh, produce, wine producing regions, uh, really high quality videos done by really great videographers that no one wants to watch or no one watches because you can't find it. It's maybe not as catchy as it could be. It's not created for the platform. So sometimes having a creator, working with a creator is much more efficient. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. So now as a bit of a treat and as we are, as far as I understand, are sharing business ideas, I, I kind of want to share something with you that um, that I've, I haven't changed with, shared with anyone so far. Um, obviously, this video I've shared with other people, but I'm going to show you some numbers. So I'm going to show you how this video became a big success. This was a big success, not only for my channel, but uh, it's I believe it's the most viewed uh, video by a wine channel ever on YouTube. So it, it's right now at 2.2 million views. So, so I'm kind of giving you like a little sneaky uh, look into what happens when one of your pieces of content uh, go viral. So this, the story of this basically was um, I found this bottle of 159-year-old wine in my cellar. And that's not a, I, I didn't make that up. I actually sometimes get bottles of friends and relatives with old wines. And oftentimes I just go, yeah, come on, give it to me. I'll taste it. Um, but I'm not expecting great things usually because most of my friends and relatives don't have great wines in their cellar. So, so amongst those bottle, bottles, there was this bottle of 1863 um, Burmester port wine, a coleta. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time. When I went through my cellar, I kind of saw that bottle, thought this is interesting. Uh, send a photo to a friend of mine who's a, a real expert expert in port, and he actually said, "Yeah, yeah, that's a 159-year-old wine." And I was like, "Okay, cool. That that's that's an interesting story. So let's make a video out of it." So, um, 
So why this video went viral, I don't 100% know. One thing I understood right away when I saw this title and, and the thumbnails, I, I created them, but, but when I saw them in front of me was that this is going to do well because um, the thumbnail and the title are really important on YouTube. You, you basically, that's all, all there is for people to suck you in. You can produce a great video. If they don't like the thumbnail or the title, they will not click on, on the video. And that means no one will watch your video. So um, here I basically try to be as simplistic as possible. You see the 1863, so you know it's an old bottle uh, magnified by a magnifying glass that wasn't there that I edited in. Um, my face kind of looking scary because you want to create a little bit of suspense in order to attract a wide audience. And then you have the port tongs there. I, I'm actually not so happy about the port tongs today. I mean, the video, the, the thumbnail worked, but, but I would do it slightly different. But it kind of looks a bit funny. You see the glowing bit. I think only people from the wine world would, would have understood what that is. But anyways, then you have the title, Drinking a 159-year-old wine, Poison or Perfection. So it's really easy to understand, I think, um, uh, for everyone. Uh, it's old, 159 years I haven't, I've never tasted a wine that is this old, people would have thought. And, and the bit poison or perfection might seem a little bit yeah, ridiculous because we all know that it's not going to be poison. But in my comments of that video, I saw quite a lot of people who actually just came to watch this video and see whether I'm going to die. Yeah, so, so, so they, they were hoping for, for the wine to be poison. I mean, that's the beauty of social media. It generated views, so, so I'm not going to complain about it. So this is kind of, um, and, and I, I, I know that I'm, I have to be aware of time, but I think we're, we're still good. This is kind of um, what happened over the first 24 hours. So actually, the, one of the great things about YouTube is that you get lots of data. Google is really good at giving you data, um, graphs, and all that. And this is kind of what you see in the back end. Uh, that, that's what I see for my channel, for individual videos or the channel in general. So over the first 24 hours, the video was watched 2.1 times as often as a normal video. My channel was quite a bit smaller back then. So, so I was really pleased with 18.7 thousand views in 24, 24 hours. I was kind of like, wow, this is awesome. Uh, the watch time was obviously also high, even though the video was shorter than most of my videos, so it was just 10 minutes long. But I thought, wow, 457 subscribers. That was a big number. I think back then that was like the biggest number I ever had in a day. So that, that was kind of giving me some, some, some good feelings. I was kind of going, well, this, this uh, could be really interesting. You can also see the revenue. So that's what Google was estimating they're going to pay me for the first 24 hours of that video. So, so 50 euros, that's cool, I take it. Definitely not worth the investment, when, if that's all, uh, opening a bottle of 159-year-old wine. But then again, I didn't pay for it, so, so I, was, I, was, I was pleased. But I, saw, I also saw this bit here, which kind of, so the graph kind of moved up a little bit. So I was kind of going, well, this might go somewhere. This is hopefully not the end. So, and that was the first 10 days. So, so you can see over the course of the first 10 days, it roughly generated 1.2 million views, uh, 11.5 thousand new subscribers. 
I think back then I had like 38,000 subscribers when the video was posted. So, so that was a big push for my channel. And the revenue was 2,500 yeah, two, two euros. Um, but what I really liked, and actually, I mean, this was exciting for me at least at the time. I kind of woke up at night sometimes and, and checked my, my app, my YouTube app, and another 100,000 uh, 100, views for that video. But the, the high point was basically this. 380,000 views in one day. So that was kind of, uh, that was very special. I mean, I think Verona uh, is at 250,000 uh, inhabitants. Uh, Florence is, I think, roughly uh, 380,000 uh, people. So, so like imagining a whole city watching your video in one day. That, that, was, that was really cool. But obviously things went down again uh, afterwards. So the video is still watched a lot of times per day, um, but it's not, not at that level anymore. But this kind of shows you the power of YouTube. So in, in a very short amount of time, lots of people suddenly learned that wine can be aged for 159 years and can still be delicious. By the way, I didn't even mention that, but yeah, the wine was delicious. So watch the video to find out everything, but it was just, just beautiful. Um, they also learned that wine doesn't get, isn't poisonous necessarily after 159 years. And quite a lot of those people were actually all of a sudden more interested in wine. So it wasn't just good for me, for my channel. It, I think it's, it was also really good for lots of people in the wine industry. I, I had actually comments of people saying, I'm Muslim, I don't drink alcohol, but I still watched this video and really enjoyed it. So, so, so people who never really interacted with wine all of a sudden knew a little bit more about wine just through the power of one video. And I also kind of thought uh, after a while, Burmester, the, the port company, that I actually gave quite a lot of promotion for free. Yeah? I, they, they didn't pay me a dime. They didn't even say thank you for the video. I'm, I'm not, I don't have any hard feelings there, but, but how, much, how much might this be for them? Like in terms of how much, how much advertisement was it for the company of Burmester that I posted this video? And I calculated it using baseline numbers uh, for, for normal cost per views. That's how you count things in the industry. And the video should have cost Burmester 45,000 US dollars. So they should have paid me 45,000 US dollars instead of me uh, having this, opening this bottle for free. But I'm fine. I, I, I don't mind. I, I'm, I'm, happy. I'm happy that the video did well and, and that it did something for wine in general. So the key takeaways, and then we are kind of doing a little bit of Q&A, I guess. Um, YouTube is huge, searchable, and here to stay. Uh, it's, it's a big platform. It's not going anywhere. I actually... Have, I'm quite bullish that YouTube will do really well for the foreseeable future, uh, continue to grow and uh, um, produce even better creators that make better videos than I do. Um, it allows for really deep engagement with the audience. And I think that's really the distinguishing factor to other social media platforms. On YouTube, you can really be get into the heads of your audience really tell them a story and really provide value more than you can on most of the other platforms. Um, it's also the only platform with a clear payment structure um, that is quite democratic. 
Um, I think that's important for creators and for the quality of content on YouTube in the future. And for me at least, it is hard work, but it's worth it. It's something uh, really enjoyable. For me, the best moments are not necessarily when a video goes vi viral, even though I like that too. But the best moments were moments like when I went to this little winery in, in the Falls to uh, talk to the winemaker. And all of a sudden, I've had the feeling that something changed in the room. There was someone behind me, a younger guy, maybe 25. He was like, I can't believe you're here. I've been watching your videos for such a long time. I was studying chemical engineering and I was miserable. I hated it. And your videos convinced me to change careers and get into wine. And now I'm working here and soon I'll be uh, creating my own wine label. That's kind of really powerful. And I think that really shows how, um, how powerful this platform can be for content creators and for their audiences. So um, thank you and I'm happy to answer some questions. Thank you, Constantine. Do you have some questions? I have, I have one. Then, Felix, I give you a mic. Um, as a wine producer, uh, what would you give some advice to the wine producers to, about the communication, about how we have to communicate better, I think? On YouTube or? No, in general. Actually, well, generally. I, I, think, I think if you're like on a social media platform, your content or what you do has to be also entertaining. Entertaining. I'm, I'm trying to be educational, but it always has to be entertaining. And what I see quite often is that the content either is just entertaining and not very educa educational, so there's not a lot of value being created for the audience, they don't learn anything, or it's very educational and not really engaging, not really entertaining for the audience. So. It, I think the key is kind of finding the balance between being entertaining and being educational. For me, as a German, Stevie mentioned it earlier, we are not, we are not very funny uh, in general. <laughs> so I really had to practice hard. I had to go to Clown University to get a little bit funny at least. But, but, but yeah, I mean, you don't have to be funny, but uh, you, you have to be entertaining, I think, in order to keep the... Uh, audiences in, uh, attention on, the, on any platform, basically. Also, muss ich sagen, danke. Das ist, war sehr geil und sehr toll und super interessant. Ja, 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 aber come on, give me a moment yeah, to connect. Uh, yeah, exactly. Connect. Give, give him a, little, a round of applause <laughs> for, for the German. Yeah. No, but uh, I wanted to ask you how you are reacting to the shorts, uh, to the short spectrum, uh, yeah. and how are you going to change your videos Uh, with the shorts is the same strategy. Are there two strategies for it? How are you reacting to the shorts game? Yeah, I mean, YouTube introduced shorts kind of as a response to what TikTok is doing and what Instagram Reels are doing. They are performing really well. So YouTube kind of had the feeling they have to do something in order not for, for them not to lose ground on, in the video game. Um, and I, I actually don't consume all that much uh, short content, but I think it's, it's great. Um, for me personally, Everything that I produce has to be educational, entertaining, and excellent, as, at least as excellent as, as I can be with my, uh, with my small means. Um, and, and I think I can do that in shorts as well. Uh, so, so I'm going to start producing shorts pretty soon. 
Um, I kind of am finishing the concept of it because it has to. There has to be some concept. It won't be me dancing with a bottle of wine in my hand, but 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 um, but but yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to do it because I think it's great uh, to have have this format to kind of get people more people interested in wine, uh, get get them get them engaged, and I think that format works really well. And on top of that, the great thing about shorts is you can actually produce the same video put it on on youtube uh, shorts on instagram reels and tiktok and the audience overlap is actually not that big so so you can produce the same content for different platforms uh, uh, obviously the performance will depend a little bit on 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 that on that platform but but you can actually generate quite a bit of reach just by using reusing the same content on on different platforms so so yeah i'm going to do it and i think uh, i think it, it it's it's a good tool for sure. I don't know who was next, but uh, do we have a... Thank you. Uh, great presentation. Uh, my question is, is what kind of equipment should you invest in? Um, if you wanted to start you know, today, what kind of equipment should you invest in to, to make it happen? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think... So, so I now have quite a good studio setup. I basically have, have two cameras that are uh, worth 5,000 euros or something combined. And and uh, a great mic and and light, and all that kind of stuff. But you don't need that in the beginning. So in the beginning, you basically need a good camera, like a 600 euro camera. Uh, you don't even have to have that. You can also use your phone. But I think that's something you should invest in. Um, have a good uh, good external microphone because sound is always important. Soundproof your your studio, whatever it might be, your kitchen or or whatever, makes sure that the sound is good because the sound is super important for engagement. Uh, the video can be can drop off uh, every now and then, but if the sound stops for 10 seconds, then then no one is going to watch anymore. So so I think yeah, having a good camera, a good microphone, uh, lighting is actually super cheap usually. Good lighting is is not very expensive. So I think with uh, 600 euros. You can have a pretty decent studio setup already, um, but yeah, you can also just go for the iPhone version. I think that doesn't get you uh, all the way, but in the beginning, that might be useful. I think what you should really invest this in is practice. So making sure that your your performance uh, is good in front of the camera. It took me a long time uh, to to feel a little bit comfortable in front of a camera. And that's something you can do for free. It's just your your time, basically, that goes into it. Can you talk a little bit about how long you were on the platform and the different formats of videos you experimented with before you were able to connect with an audience? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I basically created my YouTube account in 2014, so a long time ago. I made a few videos in German back then. And don't try to find them. I, 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 they are set on private, so so, so no one sees them. Um, I'm not one of the, those people who, who wants to have their bad videos out there for the rest of their lives. So so and and then I kind of stopped. I, I set up my company and I was really busy and I didn't really have time for YouTube and I just maybe did one video per year maximum. Uh, and then in 2020, uh, so so back then I had maybe. 600 subscribers, so so not a lot. Considering that I have quite a lot of followers on on Instagram, um, that that's not a lot. Um, and then and then in 2020, COVID hit, and I was kind of like I travel quite a lot normally. I always wanted to do this YouTube thing. I can't travel right now, so 
why not use that time and invest it into, into YouTube? So my real YouTube journey, journey with an English-speaking channel uh, in that form, it started um, two and a half years ago. Um, and yeah, it, it grew from there. So in the, beginning, in the beginning, everything on YouTube is kind of flat. And then, then you start getting traction. And then it's really waves. So you get a video that does well. And it goes back, but not quite as low as it was before. And then another video hits, and it goes up and then back, not quite as low as before. And yeah, over time, you might get, get, get up there somewhere. You might not. Uh, it kind of depends on your content. But it's a question also of you listening to your audience and understanding what they want uh, in order to uh, build your audience. Yeah. Yeah, uh, really great talk, by the way. Really enjoyed it. I know that the uh, shorts and TikTok and Instagram love captioning, and I see the value there fully. What are your views on captioning, and have you seen it working or you know improving your your uh, your viewership? Yeah, thanks, Hobie. First of all, uh, thanks a lot for your talk. That was brilliant as well. I wanted to talk to you earlier because I actually did a seminar with you in California a few years ago when I was there uh, with an MW trip and that was that was so amazing so so thanks for your 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 talks um, so captioning yeah I think that's really important and that's something that I'm not investing a lot of time in so my subtitles uh, are auto generated by YouTube and YouTube does a fairly good job but when it comes to my well, like, like wine terms uh, like when I talk about cruise in in Burgundy the it completely butchers the names usually um, and my last name Baum uh, sometimes comes out as Bomb um, so so yeah so, so, so that doesn't quite work but there's lots of potential there and I actually I'm actually I was considering getting a Korean to translate uh, my uh, my closed captioning into Korean because I know that there are lots of people watching uh, videos in Korea uh, that can't necessarily understand what I do. So, so yeah, I think there's lots of potential there, but it's, yeah, it's quite a lot of work. Um, I speak a few languages, like, but I can't really sit down and spend hours and hours uh, translating uh, the, the closed captioning. Um, so, so, but there's lots of potential. Mr. Beast, the guy I mentioned earlier, he was actually, he's, he's now doing uh, uh, dubbed videos. So he has a Mr. Beast in Espanol channel where he does all of his normal videos just just uh, dubbed. So so someone else speaks uh, speaks in uh, speaks Spanish and uh, it's all translated and that works really well for him. So so yeah, um, maybe something for the future. But but yeah, not so much right now. You're welcome. That's another um, thing. So before we close, I do have a question. How yeah. much time are you dedicating in the production of your videos? So the production is actually... Um, so I, I, I have a guy who does... Um, does purchase the wine and uh, because I buy pretty much all of the wines that I, I, I open, I, I bought myself or paid for at least. So I got a guy who buys the wines, um, who finds out all the information on the wines, so I don't have to do that. But I write my scripts and do quite a bit of research. Um, I don't do the editing anymore because that was kind of destroying my Sundays and my family life. So I was kind of getting up at five o'clock on Sundays editing videos and my wife wasn't having it anymore. So, so I have someone who does that now. But, but yeah, so I still spend at least a day per week on, on creating uh, the content that goes onto v uh, YouTube. So I still record it myself. I, I write the script. I obviously check the, the app excessively. Um, uh, so, so quite a lot of time. 
And so. what about your demographics? Because Wine King, his demographic is predominantly Korean. Yeah. Right. Sure. What What about? Are they predominantly German? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, most of them come from the U.S. Actually, um, and Germany is in in there on on the third spot, I think. Uh, U.K., uh, Germany, and then it's kind of from all over. I, I actually did a few videos with with Jay uh, from Wine King. Over the course of the last weeks, I, I was traveling to Korea and we, we shot some videos together. So maybe the Korean share will grow. Uh, let's see. But but yeah, it's mainly mainly U.S. It's maybe it's not quite a third, but but more than a quarter uh, from from the U.S. Okay, so I think we have a lot of questions, but uh, I have to close up because we have two more shows to go. So let's give it up for Constantine, the Thank YouTuber, you. the Thanks. MW, and of course, Miriam. Thank you very much. Thank and I'm sure you have questions um, that you can, you know, meet with the... Thank you very much. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.